Welcome to Editing Aloud uh, with South Africa's best journalists. And today we are discussing a small thing which we like to call the budget. Um, Sikonati, Larry Klaassen, Jana. Um, let's start with you, Jana. I mean, what are your views of the budget overall, I suppose? If you were to give it a mark out of 10, how would you, how would you rate it? I don't think the finance minister will like this, but I'm definitely not giving him a pass. Um, and in fact, I'm pessimistic enough to give you maybe a three out of ten. You know, we saw, we saw uh, the biggest budget deficit in a decade since the global financial crisis, basically. And I think the, the biggest concern, his budget is a little bit like mine. I can c never quite get to the revenue I would like to see. My expenditure is always much more than I, than I was planning for. And I just can't seem to get the debt under control. So... Yeah, not a pass from me, I'm afraid. Oh, that's depressing. I wouldn't like to be in your bank, your bank's no. books at this moment. <laughs> um, Sikonati, what are your thoughts? I mean, how would you... There were some tough options, and I think that the view was that there was limited flexibility for Tito Mbaweni to do anything in Parliament today. There, there absolutely was very limited uh, room for him to manoeuvre. However, I'll be a lot kinder than Yana and, and give him six out of ten. Uh, look, it was quite a, a difficult balancing act, but he managed to perhaps not, not rock the boat, especially where ESCOM is concerned, give it some money, but not all of the money, just to, to, to keep the thing going and, and to, to remove uh, about 80% of the debt burden, uh, or the service costs over, over the next three years. The question, however, that has not been answered is, ESCOM must, uh, in the next uh, 30 days or so, settle a 70 billion rand bond that, that, that has become due. There's no, there's no response to that in the budget. There's only 23 billion rand per year over three years. So, and, and then, and then you, you, you have, uh, he's correctly refused to give more money to South African Airways and we, the SAPC is still up here in the air. So we'll, we'll see how it goes, but uh, a six from me will suffice. A six, Larry, is that a reasonable? Who would you, who would you side with, Yana or the fail mark or the pass mark from Sekinati? I would say it's a pass on the standard grade. Um, I don't think it's. I think that's a big cop out. <laughs> that is. Um, so a three then. A three. <laughs> um, I, I think this is an election year budget. It's not meant to disrupt the boat. It's not meant to to, to take any kind of firm action for regarding ESCOM. It's not meant to sort at the SABC. It is there just to keep everything stable and then until after the election. I think after the. I think. We're in a holding battle until until after, until May eight, and then once that's done, then we'll see what's what's really going to happen in this country. Whether people will, whether whether the powers that be really make a, make the big choices that they needed to make. Well, um, we're joined on on the line by Hilary Joffe, a regular panelist um, for the show. Uh, Hilary, can you hear me? Are you are you there? Yes. Hi, so, yes. so your I'm view. Um, in Cape Town, from Cape Town, which is very far away. Um, your view on the budget, and, and I mean, you know, Larry says that he felt it was a, it was an election year budget. But I mean, I think that the the minister didn't didn't indulge any populist tendencies. He didn't, you know, he did say he was going to cut civil servants. He did talk about um, about you know retrenchments for thirty thousand uh, senior senior civil servants. I mean, what what were your thoughts about about that aspect of it? October, the budget looks very bad. The numbers look very bad. There was a big red revenue shortfall. They hadn't managed to rein in expenditure very much. The deficit blew out. The debt blew out. People thought October was a sort of holding statement and February would look better and involve more decisions. Now, it didn't, and in fact, looked worse. 
the revenue sort was even worse than it was in October. On the upside, the spending, for the first time, they have managed to cut the ever-rising public sector payroll. But they've done it in a way which worries me a little bit because I must say this early retirement, um, it's people from 55 to 59, and no doubt it will be a good one getting rid of a lot of dead wood, but one also fears it's going to get rid of a lot of skills and experience. So it's a bit of a double-edged sword, but at least they look like they are cutting expenditure in the way that uh, we've long been looking to them to do, and they're also cutting the, the public sector payroll by natural attrition, which they wishing happened. So, yeah. so I think there's some upside on the spending side, and they didn't add, they didn't go populist, they didn't go pre-election, they didn't start adding lots of new expenditure items, they really kept the lid on. But the point is they're going now to the rating agencies with the budget which has blown out even the expenditure feeling which they've been protected so carefully for many years. And the reason for that is ESCOM, because really it's the ESCOM budget. Yes. Um, Hilary, another thing they seem to have cut was the quality of your line. So let's, let's call you back um, in, in a okay. second and hopefully get a better, a better reading on that. Um, but j just initially, Sikonati, I mean, the big, if there was a theme for this, this, this budget, it was ESCOM. Um, you know, a feature that, that all the politicians and the businessmen sp spoke about after the budget was the fact that, that Tito Mawani said he was going to, to give another 69 billion rand to ESCOM. How significant is that? It's obviously far less than they wanted. It's far less than ESCOM wanted, but it's too much. L let's just start there. ESCOM has, this is the third bailout in the last five years. Not many people choose to remember that. On the 25th of September 2015, they received 83 billion rand. 23 billion rand of that was in cash, and the 60 was in a write-off. All that money has been blown, it's gone. The PIC had to come in uh, 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 with an emergency 5 billion rand in February last year because the, again, ESCOM had run out of money. Now, the, the question Tito Mboweni has not answered, what will he do next year? Because ESCOM will be coming back demanding more money. What will he do? Since indeed it's an election budget, uh, he didn't uh, tackle the matter that ESCOM really does need to tackle. It's got 47,000 employees. I, the World Bank says they should only have about 15,000. Three uh, times what they, what they should have. Exactly. Mm. Uh, that discussion will not be had until after the general election. Will the rating agencies, will the markets wait, will time wait for, 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 for the elections? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, but, but Having said that, Jana, was there, was there any option? I mean, you have to keep the lights on. Otherwise, otherwise it's an admission of defeat. The, you know, economic growth falls through the floor and you're done. No, absolutely. I think it's obviously also much less than what ESCOM really wanted, which was, uh, I think they asked for 100 billion. And I don't think that the bailout, we, I agree with Sukunati, you shouldn't be giving their money unless we see real signs of reform, of retrenchments, which Cyril Ramaphosa has said will not happen. Um, but, you know, the other question is, yes, we can keep the lights on, but at what price? Uh, you know, oh, must, we have, <laughs> must we have that conversation where we say, you know, ESCOM is in deep trouble. It is way too indebted. We need to take some of this debt off their balance sheet so that we can have competitively priced electricity. Because the reality is that ESCOM still wants massive above inflation tariff increases, and it leaves the rest of the economy uncompetitive. So... I think those are the two sides of the debate that we that we need to to have. It's a difficult 
position. And he used this term in reference to ESCOM and bailouts and, and all the state-owned entities. He said, we have to cross this Rubicon if South Africa is to, is to survive and be what it can be. Uh, and and he's, uh, he's totally failed to cross that Rubicon. The president, by, by that admission alone that no one will lose their jobs, was a total cop-out. So we don't yet have the reset, the rebase that we, we want. Uh, of course, now that may necessitate lowering the mark. So, so Hilary, Hilary Joffe, you, you're, back, you're back with us. Um, you, you know ESCOM pretty well. I mean, did the, did the minister have any choice for what he did? And, and as a consequence, how do you think the ratings agencies will perceive the fact that we've, we're you know, lurching another $69 billion towards towards another state-owned entity that clearly hasn't got control of its finances? People had a bit of a sense of deja vu at ESCOM because people have, um, may have forgotten that the last ESCOM bailout from the state was over $23 billion about five years ago. I think the, they didn't really have their ducks in a row. There's still lots that's really up in the air. Um, and I think this bailout, we're not really clear what it is. Um, and what the conditions are and what needs to be delivered for them to release the money and whether they're even taking debt off, debt off the balance sheet. So I think it's important that they are seen to have made the move and lenders will probably respond positively. But Moody said, do not give them the money unless you have delivery on cost cuts and reforms. So we'll see whether Moody is going to buy this. So, yeah, I mean, Moody's just now, they issued a statement, um, and they, they described the budget as, they, they said it leads to a renewed upward revision in fiscal def deficits and debt levels. So Indeed. it sounds a lot like Moody's, um, d you know, doesn't view this particularly well. I mean, like you said, Eskom hasn't delivered the, what it wants and what it, what it must give in terms of agreements on, on cost cuts. And as Sekonati mentioned, they've got far too many staff. I think, actually, if you look at the coal costs, the coal costs, dwarf the cost of the staff. So it's really not just a matter of people. It's really going deep into their supply chains and the whole way in which ESCOM operates and restructuring, reconfiguring, as the Minister Finance put it, the whole the whole shop. And he's putting this curator, curator type person in to oversee it. But we haven't actually yet seen a credible plan of what is ESCOM's going to do um, and why. To and Besides that, I mean, if we look aside from Eskom Yana, uh, the numbers themselves weren't great. We saw the, the GDP revised downward from 1.7 to 1.5. Um, you know, if we look besides Eskom, uh, the, the debt to GDP ratio yeah. going up beyond 60%, um, it looked pretty grim despite Eskom, right? Yeah. yeah, I think the scary number for me was, was it 1.2 billion rand that will be have to, have to be borrowed a day and we pay a billion rand in interest a day. Um, in, so that in makes your, your bank balance seem it fine. It makes it right? a, a little bit better, I'm not going to lie. But I think the other thing that's depressing that we haven't even touched on is, is just how the taxpayer is, keeps getting milked, you know, mm. with, uh, you know, the burden just keeps maybe not as bad as, as we saw last year, but certainly it's not, there's no end in sight for, you know, there's no light at the end of the tunnel from a, from a personal taxpayer perspective either. I mean, Larry, you agree with that? I mean, you think that, you know, we haven't had the, the 
bracket creep essentially of you know the personal tax cuts we had in the in the manual era and Provin era that looks pretty pretty dire. I think it'll be a while. I think it'll be a while before we see tax cuts again. Um, and as what Jana said about the, the the kind of creep we're having, fuel is getting higher, drinks are getting more expensive. Now we even have a sugar tax. So there's no joy in life anymore. Carbon tax on your car. Mm. I mean, you just it doesn't stop. <laughs> Signati, I mean, your view on the fact that the personal taxes we're being we're being multi uh, fuel levies going up, which means that you know people's fuel to go to work is going to increase, taxi fares are going to increase, just the just the the cost of being alive is increasing for people. Well, that is. This is one thing South Africans will always try to avoid. That is the cost of electing people who cannot govern. It now hits you directly in your pocket. That's exactly what you're getting. Uh, on June, uh, I think it's the June the 5th, 9 cents per litre increase in, in your petrol price. That hits directly yourself in, in the pocket and then you get the sugar and, and all of that. Uh, wh what we don't have on the economic front, the, the, the government is taking everything, uh, taking every cent they can get from you, road accident fund and everything increasing. What we don't have is someone standing out there and say, this, short this is just short-term pain. We get we're going there, and that is the long-term win-win solution for everybody. Mboweni could not do that, because if he had to do that, he would have said, guys at ESCOM, guys at South African Airways, let's close the damn thing down. Let's accept that we will, there will be temporary job uh, losses, there will be temporary pain, but it's a win-win for all of us. Guys, so, so one of the big issues that came out was we saw in technical detail just how badly SARS had been pillaged over the last couple of years. And the consequence of that was that we're just not collecting tax from people. Um, you know, even though you know, we are all paying more tax, they're not collecting it as, as well as they used to. Um, Yanni, your, your thoughts on that? I mean, it, it looked pretty dire. It's 15 billion rand worse than even the dire projections in, in October. Yeah. yeah, I think that's definitely part of the reason is the fact that the capacity is just not there. But I also think the economy has just been so weak. You know, I think if you look at the numbers that came out in December for things like retail, manufacturing, mining, all fell way short of what people were expecting. Um, so I don't think we should discard the impact of just an economy that's, that's just in the doldrums, really. Uh, so can I, see, I mean, SARS has had its own internal issues as well as had Tom Ayani getting rid of anyone who could do their jobs and the fact that they closed down the, the large business centre and the illicit tobacco, illicit economy unit, which seemed crazy at the time when they needed more tax. Uh, they plan to now fix that, reintroduce those things. Well, will that help in the long term or has there been so much damage done? It, it definitely will help in the long term, but uh, in the short term, even the October budget that's coming up, the midterm, uh, will still not look as good because it, it's much more difficult to build these institutions and the capacity than it is to destroy. So what, what, what Tom Moyan and Jacob Zuma did uh, over a period of four is going to take us much longer to, to, to get it on track. But uh, the, it, it's a good start and, and uh, the, the commissioner will be appointed, uh, Titombo, when he said in the next few weeks. So that, that, that's a good start. And what, what will help, as you saw, uh, with, the, with the raid on, the, on, on, on Adriano Mazzotti uh, yesterday, uh, SARS is desperate to show that it's, it, 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 it's there, we, we, it's now not business as usual anymore. We want to collect money from, from the smugglers and the illicit traders. So it's, it's a good start. It's, it's not going to, be immediately, uh, to immediately solve all the problems because you have to go and train people and find those lost skills. Hilary, Hilary Joffe, are you still, are you still on the line, I hope, from Cape Town? 
Oh, she's she's gone. We'll come back to her in a minute. Larry, your view. I mean, SARS can it recover from where it is from where it is now? I mean, is it besides just knocking on your door? Do you think it'll get the capacity back to knock on smugglers' doors and the Mazzotti's of this world? I think it will, but it's not going to be easy. I think they've lost a lot over the last uh, five to ten years under uh, Tamoyani. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a tragedy. What happened, the real tragedy? What's happened to SARS is it was one of the the kind of standard barriers of success, South African transformation over the, over the past 25 years. Um, when, when, when SARS was, when, when, when the ANC took control of the government and SARS was, was, was basically a kind of like an administrative tool and they turned it into like a real kind of revenue generating tool for, and became a real kind of driver for, for implementing government policy or funding the, the government policy. And, and, the, the, the demise of SARS is kind of evident in the, in the budget today. Um, you know, I mean, the, the, clearly people were not that keen to pay tax and a whole lot of people weren't able to pay tax. You know, co corporates are suffering under a really dire economy. But there was a very, a very dangerous and irresponsible call by Helen Ziller, Sikonati, a couple of weeks ago for a tax boycott, or, you know, a tax rebellion as such. Um, I mean, how does that kind of affect a situation like, like we have now? We have the country struggling to, to collect money is it not completely, complete lunacy and, and highly responsible for a politician like that to say something like that? It's totally irresponsible. However, uh, what uh, the, those utterances does not automatically follow that uh, law-abiding citizens will suddenly turn themselves into criminals uh, following uh, incitement by a government official. Uh, actually, uh, I think someone should pay a visit with, with a charge or two uh, inciting a, a, a people to commit a crime. Now, yet, you can totally understand why she felt that way and even thought she should encourage this campaign. I mean, it's, 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 it's us, the dumb ones, that are paying tax. The, the, the real guys are having it so good. Uh, we hear shifting profits to Mauritius. Uh, exactly. Or even they're keeping them under their mattresses. Some have got bunkers in their own houses, <laughs> and they have not even paid the capital gains tax on that. So it's 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 you and I who indeed have something to fear: a reputation and a criminal record. Uh, the criminals are having it so good already. Talk about the 7 billion rand that, that the tobacco industry says is being uncollected as tax. Uh, look then the burden being shifted to individuals, uh, mm. to, uh, to people like ourselves and indeed the companies. Year in, year out, they will increase the excise duty on, on, on tobacco and on alcohol. Mm. But there are guys, companies who really make a lot of money and don't pay a cent in tax. That's incredibly true. Jana, one other thing that I thought was a weakness of the budget um, was that, you know, he spoke a lot about, he spoke about SARS, he spoke about, about various other measures, but he didn't really talk about creating jobs. And surely that's the one thing, the lack of specific targets or specific methods to create jobs that, that was really lacking in this budget. Would you, would you agree? Well, he did downgrade the growth forecast for the year. And, and I think, as we know, 1.5% growth is not really sufficient to create jobs. I think at this point, government is just hoping to stop the bleeding when it comes to jobs. And we did see a slight uptick in, in was it Q1 or uh, the last data, Q4 data that came out mm. um, just the other day. Um, though that's probably a lot of holiday jobs as well. Um, so the jobs, I mean, jobs should be the thing that we keep talking about all the time. But I think we... As journalists, we always do. <laughs> we just... You know, it's the, I think the, the 
the scale of our unemployment problem is just so vast um, that you just, you know, and we're so tired of it. Nobody's really bringing fresh ideas to the table. So that's why you see over 500 billion rand going to social grants because government can't find a problem, can't seem to find a politically palatable solution for our jobs problem. So let's throw money at social grants and, and hope that that pacifies, uh, you know, is enough to, to, to keep the electorate happy. Um, but really what we should be doing, you know, between ESCOM and, and unemployment, we should never sleep. Um, just this is a terrible worry. idea. <laughs> Second, so, your view of where the weaknesses were besides a lack of specifics on jobs, and, and I certainly think a lack of specific commitments from ESCOM is also another weakness. The, the, there's, there's definitely a lack of ambition on the part of the people today in government. The job of a leader is to stand on the mountain and point at the destination and get the, 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 the foot soldiers to hack their way through the forest to get there. We did not have that. Uh, we did not have that in the, in the state of the nation. We did not have that in the budget. If Tito Mboweni stood up there and said, in the next three years, I want this economy growing at 3%, therefore, we will start here uh, with slash the cost of doing business, we will close the tap at South African Airways so that people can start investing in this economy. And we will build not only the 3,000 kilometers of roads, tarred roads that they will build, we will build uh, 30,000 kilometers of road. Of course, that all has to be paid for, so that, that, that's where the problem is. But as it stands now, he merely repeats that we will get 1.5% growth. What do we want to get out of it? Hmm. So we can put measures in place and work towards it. So no roadmap. One of the provocative questions he asked, Larry, which I thought was um, certainly would have irritated the unions and, and as well as parties like Julius Malema, was he posed a question about why, why we even have state-owned companies at this point. All they do is they guzzle cash. I mean, surely it's a valid point. It's not going to please the unions to hear it. But I mean, surely he has a point? I think he's, he does have a point. Um, but... That's a question that's not going to be answered today. I don't think, I don't think there's going to be questions that's going to be answered after the, next, after the May election. I think that's something that's, that's going to be sitting with us for a while. I don't think there's a word there. When you look at the why we own state-owned industries, that's, that's actually one of the first questions you should ask. Why should SAA actually exist? If you think about that, we've got, we've got all kinds of discount airlines, the, the SAA is not a railway. They don't, know, they're not, they're not, they don't have any kind of public mandate. So why are you putting money into an organization that's, that's whose role has been filled by the private, already been well filled by the private sector? So, I, I, but I don't think he's going to be answering that. I mean, you, can answer, you can ask that question now, but answering it, that'll be a long, getting on firm answers on that will be a long time but, coming. But, I mean, Jana, your view on it. I mean, surely, surely it's better for the private sector to run these enterprises? Well, let's talk about SAA. I mean, part of the reason why they won't just shut it down is because it employs 10,000 people and you're mm -hmm. not going to shut it down in an election year. But, you know, and I think there are parts of the SAA business that could very easily, I mean, one of the areas that, that has been talked about is, for example, the air chefs business that could potentially very easily get an international investor and it moves away from just supplying SAA flights with meals in Joburg to supplying, you know, potentially any airline that, that lands here and that, you know, have potential 
potential for growth and, and job creation. The other problem is if you try and get a buyer in now or a strategic partner, it is in such poor shape that you kind of have to get it to a point where either you can sell mm -hmm. some of the parts of the business. It's just been so mismanaged. I mean, they said this week they've, for the first time in 10 years, made a gross profit, not even an operating mm -hmm. profit, a gross profit on their Joburg London route. That's a route that they really should be making money on. One of the, most the question is, the yeah, how do you, for 10 years, not make any money on it and keep it going and keep it going? I think, I think SAA, I feel quite sorry for the, lead, the new leaders at SAA. I think they're really trying to bring commercial acumen into it. You know, a lot of them have, have private sector experience. Um, and I think they're just as flabbergasted as we are by the extent of, of the complete and utter mismanagement that's been going on there. Whether they'll have enough time to really try and turn it around, I mean, that will ultimately mm -hmm. depend on Titum Bueni and where the government give them more money. Um, and I mean, even in that case, it may, may be down the rabbit hole too far. But I agree. I mean, there's no need for a state-owned airline, mm -hmm. but just closing it down is not quite as simple as that because... It, you know, there are, there are jobs on the line in an economy where we can't afford to lose mm. more jobs. Well, well, I, think, I think for Tito Mboweni to be asking that question is a, is a classical cop-out. He is the governor. He is the person who should be providing answers to that question. I, I, I asked him, he, he can only ask that question. All of us can. Someone has to provide the answer, and that's him in government. I, I also asked him about Petro SA, which, is, which has been bankrupt for years, like, like, like South African Airways. Making spectacular losses. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. He said uh, the least said about Petro SA, the better. Well, I mean, and he had very harsh words about uh, South Africa's uh, hangovers with the Soviet-era communism yeah. and, and things. Mm -hmm. Yet, he's totally powerless to, to actually say, guys, if you put me here to be your finance minister, this is what will be done, and we will do it. Just one last point on that, because, I mean, the issue is the power, to some extent, lies with the unions, because they are the ANC's partner, Kasatu certainly. Do you, how do you see that playing out in the next couple of months, certainly at Eskom and other entities that need to have, have a confrontation with the unions? Look, there definitely will be. By the way, that's what we state in our cover in the financial mail. There definitely will be some confrontation after the election. Mm -hmm. Because uh, even as those Cyril Ramaphosa said, all these companies that will be split out of Eskom and obviously South African Airways will be 100% owned by the state. The budget review sneaks in a private Equi uh, uh, an equity partner, a strategic equity partner. So the, the trade unions didn't know that going into this budget. When that when uh, come the election, the president says uh, in the transmission company we have to sell a thirty percent stake. Hell will break loose, but that will be after the election. So there will be some uncomfortable days uh, ahead in the short term. Uh, the, the the real deal is Cyril Ramaphosa should stand up there and say, short term pain, long term win. Well, that's us for today on Editing Aloud, and uh, I think Sagnati summed it up perfectly. Um, and join us again next week.